You are listening to Feeding the Mouth That Bites You with Ashley Parrish and Jessica Pfeiffer. A weekly podcast guide on parenting teens and launching them into the world. As always, we are joined by psychologist and author, Dr. Ken Wilgus. Hey everyone, and welcome back. On today's episode, we will be discussing grief and loss and teenagers. I want to go ahead and let you know that I am suffering from allergies today. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) try not to sneeze into the microphone. I will, I'll do my best, but I can't make any promises. I'm just on the struggle bus. (laughs) So I just want to apologize beforehand. Um, Yes. You know, this subject today, grief and loss and teenagers, is very personal to myself. I was raised by my grandparents. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that. So my grandmother and my grandfather were my parents um, growing up. I lost my grandfather when I was 16. He passed away. Uh, My father passed away when I was 18, and he was still prevalent in my life, still, you know, a a father role in my life. Their deaths were very different. Mm -hmm. Just like anything else that we do on this podcast, I'm grateful that we're able to give parents a resource that maybe they can't find out there. I'm I'm grateful for what we do and what we say on this podcast so that we can be of help to parents out there because their teens are going to experience some sort of grief. And so if we can help equip those parents on how to help their teen through it, I think that we've done our job because there are things I remember it so well and so vividly. And I just wish that the adults in my life When I was a teenager walking through the death of my grandfather and my father, I wish they would have known the things that we're going to discuss today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's important to talk about. I think that every parent will walk their teen through some sort of a grief situation. It could be the Mm -hmm. loss of someone that they love. It could be something uh, different that they're grieving, a change in their life or a, a loss of purpose. But uh, those, all of those have the same effect in our hearts. They're, they're painful, difficult situations and circumstances to walk through. And so I want to know as a parent, you know, what are the sources of grief for teenagers and, you know, how to, how to do that, how to walk through it with them? So Dr. Ken, what are your yes. thoughts? Well, you know, it is important to think about with children and teenagers to really kind of try to get behind their eyes and and get an idea of well what sort of things affect them because it's not going to be the same as the way it, uh, the things and the way that it affects adults mm-hmm. so uh, obviously death uh, is a huge source of loss and grief but as we'll talk in a little while a lot of times the way teenagers re- respond to deaths even of close family members can be surprising to adults or even concerning. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that can be very important uh, for teenagers where they are is loss of things like, you know, your career. I've known athletes that this was a big part of how they saw their future in athletics mm-hmm. and some uh, at, you know, career ending injury brings on a real grief of now who who am I and what am I going to be about now? And that's a real grief. Certainly divorce is a kind of a grief. It's like the death of a, of this one person that was my mom and dad. And now 
I have, maybe it's good. I've got this house and this house, but it's still the death of what was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, major moves. A lot of kids move a lot now, a lot more than they used to. And so having to leave what might've been a really solid, comfortable uh, place. And now we've moved to a different place and you really not only adjust to the new thing, but you're really grieving what isn't anymore. And then a very common, lastly, is friends. It, you know, it's not that unusual to have had. When I talk to a teenager about best friend, did you used to have a best friend? And they'll tell me about a friend that, you know, we were best friends up until, you know, sixth grade, seventh grade. And then adolescence changes you, and you don't have that friendship anymore. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's just lots of sources as a teenager that may not be the same for adults, but the kind of thing that really uh, they grieve over not just death, which still, of course, obviously tops the list. But it's important for parents to think about some of these other things that really do rock a teenager's life. Well, people are quick to judge how others are mourning or dealing with uh, their loss I with know. no idea about what's really going on internally. And I think especially with teenagers, sometimes their extreme emotions are confusing to us as mm-hmm. parents. We're looking at them thinking, well, this seemed like it was a really big deal. It was a good friend that they lost yes. uh, and they blow it off. Or it, this is a person they barely knew and they seem so hurt by this loss. So uh, explain to us why our kids are, uh, they're, they're, emotions don't seem to match up with what we think that they should as adults. Yeah, that's important. Teenagers can do and say things that really worry parents, just like you were saying, like, why is, you know, why is he not crying? This was his close grandmother or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they can end up putting pressure on teenagers. So this is an important thing to think about. You know, we do a lot on this podcast talking about that teenagers are young adults and you need Mm -hmm. to think of them as young adults. Well, ironically, I'm going to go a little bit the other way here that you need to also remember, however, that these are still immature and inexperienced adults. And so their emotional intelligence, sort of the their awareness, emotional maturity, really, which is defined as the ability to know how I am feeling and to communicate that in words is still not very developed. So you have to be careful to not overestimate where this teenager is in their life. And teenagers will express maybe no emotion when you thought they should. Sometimes they're uh, you know, out there laughing maniacally uh, when we just left the funeral. What is wrong with you? Uh, these are all different ways mm-hmm. of uh, mm-hmm. kind of dealing with a lot of intense internal, the electricity of this emotion, but I really don't know how to identify it and certainly don't know how to uh, explain it. And so uh, you have Mm -hmm. to be patient with that because a lot of times parents uh, expect uh, certainly the stages of grief, I guess you all know, Mm -hmm. Uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross book, very good book, you know, however, sometimes I just want to burn the book because people will come and say, okay, here's what step, you know, he should, he never even got through the anger stage. And now he's, and it's like, you know, I always want to remind everybody stages of grief is descriptive. And it's really been helpful to look at different kind of experiences and stages that people go through, but it's not prescriptive as in, okay, now you're doing it wrong. You shouldn't be at the bargaining stage. You're still didn't finish the anger. That's just makes it worse. And, I remember and, that. Mm-hmm. Did the did like wondering where you were in the grief process or people pressuring you? 
people thinking that it's some sort of mathematic equation. And if Mm -hmm. we have already gone through, you know, the sadness and here we are at the anger, well, the next will be this. And that's just so frustrating. And especially as a teenager, you know, I remember this very vividly. It was a couple days after my grandfather had passed. My grandfather was very sick towards the end of his life and he was older. He was in his seventies. So for him to pass, you know, we knew, we knew it was coming. And, um, so it was kind of a relief for me. Uh, so I grieved a lot differently from my grandfather than I did a few years later from my father. Right. Um, But I remember a few days after he had passed, there were a lot of people at our house visiting and I was upstairs in my room and I had a couple friends upstairs and, Um, Of course, I was sad over the loss of my grandfather, but at the time I was with my friends, somebody said something funny. We all started laughing. It was very loud. Um, My grandmother heard it downstairs and got so angry, and she made all my friends leave, and I was just so perplexed, Uh, like, why? mm -hmm. Why did you get so mad? Like, shouldn't we find joy in this? But, But it was very shame they were shaming me you know like how could you be laughing you should be sad and and it was just very confusing as a teenager Mm -hmm. yeah very Mm -hmm. very exact a perfect example of that it's just expecting you to be this way and that is really a very common problem especially after death that that parents can create difficulty by like you said ending up shaming this kid for not behaving a certain way so you have to remember Mm -hmm. that Teenagers will still not quite know what they're feeling and know how to express it. The other thing to keep in mind, children and teenagers experience uh, grief, especially loss in cycles. So um, if you are told at five years old that your father has died, you can go through and come to some sort of understanding of that at five. But then when you're 10, you will have a whole different capacity to understand the same thing. And then when you're, you know, 13 and 14, you'll have even more capacity. So essentially, a simple phrase like your father has died to someone, let's like I say, five, uh, it will take probably 20 years to completely Mm -hmm. understand that sentence because Mm -hmm. you have different ways. So, uh, you know, a teenager can uh, come to a certain kind of understanding or acceptance of this and then really be overwhelmed with a whole new way of thinking about it at 23. So you really mm-hmm. need it, it, the whole trick with grief is believe it or not, try not to mess with it. You know, mm-hmm. people are always calling me, okay, I'm going to so-and-so's house and so-and-so died. What do I say? And I always tell them, yeah. uh, you don't need to say anything. As a matter of fact, your goal is to not say something stupid. Cause people say the dumbest stuff, just oh, be, my gosh. you know, you yeah. can make a mm-hmm. book out of it. And so you just be there. And with your teenagers, it's the same thing. Try to just let them be what they are yes. and, and let it flow and be, uh, and we'll talk about, you know, coming alongside them, but not yes. sort of trying to push it into this box or that box. That's really where grief gets stunted uh, and can turn into depression, which is a different thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And like you said, how grief lasts, you know, Grief lasts a long time, probably, mm-hmm. you know, like the loss of my dad. I lost him when I was 18, but then I grieved again when I became a mother. Right. You know, uh, yeah. Because, you did, didn't you? Yeah, because he's not here to see his grandbabies. And, you know, so there was still, still grief. Grief doesn't, mm-hmm. 
ever really go away. And so if I could tell parents from my own experience is just to let let them be in it, let them fill it, don't shame them, don't expect things, don't That's expect right. them to, to be sad when they're maybe happy for a second or vice versa. And mm-hmm. t- time helps yes. to heal grieving. For sure. Uh, it doesn't help to heal depression. Uh, right. Depression, is we you can go back to that episode, is really not sadness. It's trying to keep your feelings together and hold yes. them together and not let them be. So, mm-hmm. you know, in grieving, it's really important to try to understand what they're really going through and not pushing it into boxes that aren't helpful. And the mm-hmm. last thing that teenagers will do a lot is that, that this adds with is that, you know, remember their identity is still developing. So there's a kind of self-consciousness that can be there with, uh, you know, at funerals, teenagers tell me all the time that they felt like a camera was on them. And I, you know, people were expecting me to say this and do this. And mm-hmm. they're so self-conscious that it just sort of uh, wrecks their ability to just be natural. So you mm-hmm. need to just expect that and let that be. And don't worry so much about does this mean that they're not going through this grief like they should? Stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. That's good. So tell us, what do we need to be careful to do and not to do when walking with our kids through grief? Yeah, well, you know, we've we've kind of implied a list of what not to do. You mm-hmm. know, don't don't expect your teenager to experience grief the same as adults. Um, you know, the worst is is when you actually get so tired of this teenager being what looks like selfish, like just talking about, well, you know, does this mean that, you know, we're not going to get Christmas presents from granddad anymore? You know, you're like, how can you be thinking of yourself so much? And Mm -hmm. well, you know, this Mm -hmm. is part of where they are. It's not going to help you Mm -hmm. to to shame them. But so don't expect them to kind of have the son of grief that you would be having. Uh, The other part that happens Mm -hmm. a lot, because parents that listen to this podcast are very often uh, really caring and involved parents. Well, ironically, with grieving, you can kind of press too hard. If your teenager is saying when you're like, wow, so we're coming home from the doctor and he said, you really can't play football on that ankle anymore. Tell me how that is for you. That that must be really hard. He doesn't want to talk about it. Okay, then he doesn't need to talk about it right now. You don't have to push Mm -hmm. that. It's certainly not like plumbing that's going to get sort of gummed up if he doesn't put words to it. Just relax and let that be and don't Mm -hmm. press too hard for them to somehow, um, you know, feel their feelings, that kind of thing. So those are kind of the obvious things of what not to do. Does that does that make sense to what we've already talked about? Yes. Okay, Dr. Ken. So my personal experience was I was the teenager. Right. However, oftentimes there is a wife or a husband that lost their spouse and they're raising this teenager. So they're personally grieving. Their right. teenager is grieving how can a parent that is grieving still keep their eye on their grieving teenager? Well, give you know, give that yeah. parent some advice. I'm, okay, I, I forgot about that. I'm glad you asked that because, you know, it's a dumb analogy, but you've heard it. Like, you know, on airplanes, they say when they, you lose cabin pressure, put the mask over yourself first right. and then your child because you cannot take care of the grief in your teenager or child if you're not taking care of it in yourself you just can't and the and the really to be realistic what usually happens is it's often the parent that is over pressuring this teenager to hurry up and sort of feel better they don't consciously do that but they're trying so hard it's very often because the teenager's grief 
is igniting your own grief. And I need this kid to be okay uh, mm-hmm. because I'm not okay. And so it's really important for that parents, uh, the person that's going through the grief that's happened to you as well, that you really make sure you have your support. If it's a spouse, you really have to bring people around you. You know, as you know, our culture is getting weaker and weaker. You don't have virtually all of us don't live with a, in a town with, you know, six uncles and two aunts and all these right. cousins. And, mm-hmm. and th- there was in those days lots more options. You know, we used to have a culture that would even structure how you mourn the loss. And that was actually helpful. You know, there was a time when if you lost a spouse, you wore black for a year every day. You know, just this way, it just signaled to everybody, this is what's going on in my life. So that Mm -hmm. you don't have to keep explaining or feeling that kind of distance from everyone around me. Even when I was a kid on Mother's Day, You'd wear a carnation at church, and if your mother was re- if your mother was alive, then you had a red carnation, and if she'd passed away, it's a white carnation. I remember thinking, oh, wow. why are we why are we signaling to everybody whether my mother died or not? Well, yeah. it was part of a cultural grieving process, which we now have uh, none, and that's really yeah. hard. Yeah. So you know, I think a big thing that that is uh, Im- important here is. is you know, kind of thinking about that in terms of uh, what kind of pressure and how you expect that from teenagers. Mm-hmm. How much do we reveal about our own grief with our kids? Do we be honest with them about the circumstances that we're dealing with? Or maybe there's pressure or hardship because of the loss. You know, if we've right. lost someone right. who has financially supported us in some way, a spouse, um, right. do we talk to the kids about that sort of thing? Or do we just try and ease their pain by not talking about it? Well, that gets into kind of the things that you do. And so one of the things that you do is it is appropriate. A lot of times what can be helpful to kind of jumpstart a teenager's emotional maturity is to kind of describe what you're going through, to be able to say, you know, I I, yesterday when we said, hey, let's go such that I was going to call your granddad. And then I realized he wasn't there. A certain amount of that that gives them some seeds to kind of go for or go on to grow on, if you will, that's helpful. What you want to be careful about, however, is if what we just said, if you're really struggling with this grief, it can be very overwhelming for a teenager to have a parent that maybe night after night comes in just really weeping and talking on and on about how much I miss your dad and because that's too much for a teenager. If anything, that you run the risk of them feeling like they have to kind of counsel you, which is mm-hmm. always a mistake. So it, it, it's good to talk to them about your experience, but I'd be mm-hmm. careful that you don't want to do that unless you feel pretty confident that you're in control of your experience and really offering this for them, but not really needing very much from them. Because again, even though you, know, you may have a 16 year old, six foot tall boy who seems like a man internally, he really doesn't have a ton to offer yet. So mm-hmm. you want to not overdo that. But that's part of the things that you do. And yeah, you don't have to be all buck up and fine with you for you to show your teenager that you're strong. An appropriate mm-hmm. amount of showing your own grief is actually helpful. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, this is personal to me as well, because when I lost my grandfather, um, I was 16 and I was still living with my grandmother. So now it was just my grandmother and myself. Yeah. And she was really struggling. I understand it now as an adult looking back. But at the time I was 16 and 
I was relieved that my grandfather was gone because we're Christian believers and we believe that he's in heaven. And he had suffered so much. But my grandmother, you know, they had been together for over 50 years. And so Mm -hmm. she was grieving to a different degree that I was incapable of understanding. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was too heavy of a load for me to bear. And that hurt our relationship. So I... I remember that. Now, fast forward two years, I'm living with my mom. My dad passes away, different grieving altogether because he was a strong pillar, you know, in my life. Um, It was sudden. My dad and my mom had been divorced since I was three. So she really wasn't grieving. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas I was deeply grieved and I really struggled with it. My grieving looked different losing my dad than it did my grandfather. So Dr. Ken, at what point when we're seeing our teen grieve, what are some signs that we know that this is outside of our hands as a parent and I need to get my teenager in to see professional help? Yeah. Okay. Well, the, the first answer almost always for every time we talk about this is function level. Is this kid of yours because of grief not participating in the activities that they're supposed to be in, not mm-hmm. going to school, grades dropping, isolating from friends. All those things are um, obvious signs that it's you – know, it, because remember, it's pretty tough to get teenagers to come to counseling. Uh, right. Most of the uh, – the hardest kids to get to come to counseling are the ones that are doing okay when you're yeah. like, well, but this will be good for you to have someone to talk to. Nuh-uh. Not mm-hmm. at my age. I, I, yeah. yeah, this makes me feel crazy. So it's almost easier to say, look, I know we already talked about counseling, but uh, you've, you've flunked out this last six weeks. So I need you to at least talk to someone a couple times and just see. You can. It's almost easier to press that. Mm-hmm. But short of that, then I think, as always, it's a good idea to offer it and suggest it uh, because of the potential help. But mm-hmm. I would be careful about pushing it and pressing it. Uh, the thing that, again, that is often thought of that's not a great idea is, uh-oh, this big thing happened, this loss, so we better shove all my kids into a counseling within the first two weeks. That is actually not necessary. It is not always helpful. You can wait and see how your kids are doing, especially if they don't want to. You can offer it, but you don't have to force it and press it. So I, is, is that what you were asking, right? Like, like mm-hmm. if they're not functioning Definitely. If they are offer and and but don't necessarily press uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and keep in mind that as a parent or you're you're doing a lot of the counseling yourself. And, right. and that's very good stuff. Not I hate to say this out loud, but not every teenager needs a psychologist. Mm-hmm. I know. Right. Boy, that's so <laughs> weird. But it's so I just remember I, I don't know if I would have gone at 18 years old. Um, mm-hmm. But I just remember feeling so unseen in my hurt. Oh, yeah. um, and so now looking back, I, I see that it could have greatly benefited me during that time. Like I said, though, I was 18. Who knows if I would have actually gone. But, um, you know, if you had sat down in my office at 18 or even at 16 when your granddad passed, you know, the way a therapist would talk to a teenager would start with, wow, I don't even know how to think about what you're going through. This is just so weird. Like you start by just okaying that 
I'm sure you don't have a clue what you're even, what to even think about this. It, it, oftentimes, a teen, you can just see the relief in 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 hearing someone tell them that I, I'm I'm not sure I would know how to even think about this. They're like, I know, I know, I don't know. Rather than some, you know, teenagers worry that a therapist is going to, you know, hand you a worksheet and let, let's go through your stages. And you mm-hmm. just start a big part of, quote, treatment. And I say this because parents can do the treatment is just offering uh, open ended comments that really signal that, you know, you can be what you are. You just need to be mm-hmm. w- whatever is, is. Yeah, that's therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes I remember I would just want to stay in my room and I would try and stay in my room as much as I could. You know, so I would I would leave my room to go to the restroom or to get something to eat. But then I'd go right back to my room. And I thought in those moments, if I could ignore the outside world. Right. Then I'll be okay because that's what I needed for that moment. But then, you know, maybe two weeks later, if. I could be out in the world going to school and going to work and hanging out with my friends. Then I could almost pretend like nothing had ever happened and life yeah. was kind of, you know, normal. So it was very fluctuating. Um, yeah. And then something weird that I did, too, was the last thing that my dad had given me was like a little bag of snacks. <laughs> so it was like mm-hmm. some Pringles and some other things that I hadn't opened yet. Um, and I just left them in my room where they were and it took me a year to throw them away. So like I never mm. opened them and I just didn't touch them. And yeah. um, so that was just something that maybe a parent would think would be bizarre, but I just needed them to stay there. You know? Well, I think that's a good example. As I mentioned, since we, our culture doesn't have agreed upon ways to mourn, then it is funny how humans will in fact find ways to, uh, memorialize uh, and kind of encapsulate this loss that I'm experiencing and hanging on. In that case, you know, yeah. the snacks kind of represented something about the nurturing that your father gave you. Um, I think that it's important, you know, with children, there's a lot more about what you can do to actually, you know, you give them this or that toy that uh, to help them kind of hang on to or deal with the grief. Teenagers, it's a lot tougher to use little techniquey stuff because they can smell technique and it feels um, <laughs> you know, uh, real condescending. Uh, but I think an example like that uh, of, of watching your teenager and if you notice that she's held on to this thing or whatever, I think that a, a gentle thing of, you know, I, I you, you're hanging on to that. I, I totally see that. Like just accepting yeah. that, uh, that, because teenagers will, will do the very kind of thing you're talking about, but then feel real weird about it. For and sure. just again, yeah. saying, making sure that they know that that's that's a good thing, you know, or even telling them, you know, here's what I've I've been actually wearing your dad's watch uh, and I, it's too big for me, but it just feels good to wear uh, things like that uh, are helpful for teenagers to with their self-consciousness to not over worry. Is this weird or whatever? Because that's usually what they feel. If you point it out, they're like, that's weird. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I'll mention, by the way, because we've got to talk about our faith. Mm-hmm. And yes. it's a big yeah. deal. In my lifetime, I've gone weirdly from uh, hearing when I was younger, a lot of stories of people saying, why are you grieving? You know, she's in heaven. It's all good now. You shouldn't cry. Which right. as we increasingly got more psychologically aware 
I think it was right for people to notice that that's weird. That, you know, mm-hmm. to pressure people, Jesus is weeping at the tomb of Lazarus, what, like a few minutes before he raises him from the dead. Death is sad. It is wrong. Mm-hmm. It is not okay. But there is a way to almost go the other way where there's there's so much focus on it's okay to grieve that I do worry, to be honest, that sometimes uh, you can't tell a Christian's uh, grieving from a non-Christian's grieving or basically the people in the room that have complete hope and those who don't. And there should Mm -hmm. be some difference there. So without pressuring anybody, I do think uh, it is important to uh, take that into account. Do not teach your teenagers faith stuff. They don't Mm -hmm. want to be taught. But certainly if it's part of what you're leaning on, which I hope it is as a parent, then narrating that, this is like in the advice giving part that we talked about in communication, that talking about your experience can be important for them to hear. You know, I, I, I know this is hard for you. It was hard. Listen, Christmas was terrible for me. Uh, I just kept thinking about, you know, how your, your mom is, is with Jesus and will be there. And that helped me. Now your teenager is going to go, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. And that's okay. That's still succeeding in saying something about it, but it is an important part of of displaying and trying to lean on our faith. Uh, I always remember when King David's baby died and his servants were weirded out that, wow, he was grieving while the baby was sick. But after he died, he got up and washed and ate. What's wrong? What is that? And he said, you know, my son cannot return to me, but I will go to him. Yes. And I've always thought about that, that it's like such a real comfort that we will see them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that part is important for us as parents. But again, to not teach that at this stage in life, but to display it as you walk along beside them as they go through their grief. Yes. And I think that this can be such great advice for any Christian adult, because you may not experience this with your own teenager, but there might be a teenager in your community that you cross paths with or that you go to church with, or um, maybe your teenager's friend is going through some sort of grief like this, just to be mindful of what comes out of your mouth. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember as a teenager, uh, after my dad had passed, so many well-meaning Christians would say things like, well, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Or he's in heaven (laughs) now, you should be happy. And at that time, I did not have the support. Now, I knew Jesus. I had a relationship with Jesus. But think of me as a 18-year-old standing all alone in this world. And when I need Christian community to help me walk alongside me, in this, instead, they kind of throw darts at me and say things well meaningly, but so right. hurtful, mm-hmm. so hurtful that kind of sent my uh, my relationship with Jesus kind of tail spinning for a little while. Sure. Uh, because how is this 18 year old supposed to grapple with the fact that a good God, right? What they're saying to me is, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. I remember shaking my fist at the Lord. And saying, why do you think I'm so tough? Why do you think I can handle this? I can't handle this. Um, Mm -hmm. So to always be so, so mindful of what Mm -hmm. we're saying. 
So that image, I think, is a is a really good one of a teenager standing alone and well-meaning people inadvertently actually throwing darts at her because what needs to happen is hard to imagine. And that is loving adults coming and standing next to her and not really even saying anything. Just be there. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, that can make you uncomfortable as an adult. Like, I'm just going to stand here. Yep. Just be there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. So as a parent, um, you know, I, when my kids are going through difficult things, whether it be a loss of someone they love or the loss of the sport that they loved, that they, they can no longer play because of an injury. I'm tempted to let all the rules go to go easy on them because of their grief. Um, is that sure. the right thing to do? Is there a time for that? Or, or should we be as consistent as possible? What do you think about that time following the, the incidents that are? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question. I, I'm, I don't think it's essential that you never break structure. Uh, if we're grieving something, um, you know, if your kid just found out that they can't participate in the thing that they've loved the most, they just lost you know, their very best friend group and it didn't look like, or we just moved. You know, I don't mind if you have some, I don't know, a few weeks, few days of we're not going to worry much about the trash being done on time. Mm-hmm. But you do, part of recovery is absolutely picking a time not too long afterward that you do get back to normal and mm-hmm. and, and expect that. And I, as you anticipated, it's right. A lot of parents struggle with that. It's it's easier than you think to actually label your teenager as that poor kid who lost a parent and you never actually expect them to function uh, fully because, well, you know, she lost her mother. You know, nope, that's actually not helpful. So after a period of time, I absolutely think you go back to that, that we need to go back to the level of expectation we had for you before. Mm-hmm. Wow. So this has been a tough conversation to have. I think that um, we all struggle with different um, losses and painful experiences in our lives. I know that we may be concurrently going through a lot of grief with our teen as they're experiencing it, and it can make it even more difficult to answer some of these questions. So I'm grateful to have this conversation with both of you to address some of the things that teens grieve about, how it's different from the adults in their lives, and um, how to be careful and cautious and conscientious about our teens and their grief. Thank you, guys. Thanks for joining us today. Hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Also, leave us a review. This is how other listeners find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Feeding the Mouth. We appreciate you and would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about what we've discussed today, please email us at podcast at feedingthemouth.com.